Welcome to The Good Show. My name's Sarinda and I'm your host. This platform is dedicated to those brave men and women who serve this country and their families. On The Good Show, we discuss all aspects of military culture and lifestyle. From veteran and spouse entrepreneurship to growing up as a military kid, we'll discuss it all. These are real conversations with real people who can give the civilian world an insight into their military lives. Welcome to this week's episode. My name's Sarinda. I am your host and you are listening to The Good Show. Now, I was thinking back. I remember when I first moved to the US and uh, the company that I worked for sent me on this little onboarding thing. Off I went up to LA to a Dodgers game. And I'm sitting at this Dodgers game and my husband calls me and he's like, hey, how is it? I don't know anything about baseball. I mean, I played rounders. I'm a Brit and I, st- and I don't even know the, the rules to rounders, to be honest with you. So anyway, I said to him, I'm sitting beside, uh, behind home base. And he said, that's so obscene. You're at a Dodgers game. It's not home base. It's home plate. Home plate. Mm-hmm. To this day, I, I, I'm going to say it. I think I can run faster than that guy that's going to the first base. I really do. you got to put out, dude. Why am I talking about baseball? Well, my guest today, retired from the Marines after 20 years of service, new upcoming author, Patrick Holmcombe. How are you? I'm doing well. Good morning, Surrender. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. It's good to, good to have you here. Now, you, uh, I'm going to dive straight into it, Patrick. Okay, let's do it. You were a Marine for 20 years. I was. And we based? Based in a lot of different places. I finished my career in San Diego, but before that was Okinawa, and before oh, wow. that was Hawaii, some Newport, Rhode Island, some Jacksonville, Florida, some nice. Alabama. Yeah. Now, let me quickly ask you, what made you join the Marines? Hmm. That's a complex question. Ooh. I think it started at Wendy's. <laughs> That's not what you expected. Right? <laughs> not at all. No, no, not at all. So the first job that I had when I was still in high school was at Wendy's. I was making fries, flipping burgers, working the drive-thru. And one day in the drive-thru, a gentleman came through looking sharp in a uniform. And he chatted me up for a minute, handed me a business card. And I think he came back like three or four more times, even though I told him I was not even close to graduation yet. So I kept the business card. I held on to it. It was sitting on my dresser at home for a number of years. And eventually, as I was getting closer to high school graduation and kind of thinking about where I wanted my life to take me, I picked up the card and then I picked up the phone. He wasn't there anymore, but another guy was. We talked and uh, it's history. Wow. Yeah. And 20 years later. 20 years later. Yep. Now, how long has it been since you separated from the Marines? So my last day on active duty was October 1st of 2021. 2021 that's so not it's, it's been a bit now it's yeah. been a bit it feels like it's just flown by yeah it, even though it's been a bit i think you know because when i went through the transition you know because i went through with my husband my husband went through with me i was telling somebody the other day it's the whole family that goes through oh, it totally. it's kind of like the sometimes i feel the the time frame gets a little smudged you know mm-hmm. and um i look back now and i think wow he retired I think it's four years ago, but it just almost seems like yesterday, you know? Well, you know, I think we get to that stage in our life also where the months and the years just start ticking by, and you <laughs> wonder one day, where did they go? And I think It just passes too quick. It really does. Now, let me ask you, after you left the, the Marines, uh, your transition, let's talk about your transition out, Patrick. How was that? Mm. Civilian another, world's a little crazy. Another complex crazy. question with yeah. a very complex answer. So... 
I retired in October, but really I stopped working around July when I went on what's called terminal leave. Uh I had all this leave saved up and I took it. So when I transitioned out, originally my plan was to finish what I'd called the seven and seven. I'd been working on this for about a decade. I wanted to run a marathon on every Mm -hmm. continent, all seven of them, and I wanted to climb the highest mountain on all seven continents. And it was really a big part of my life. So at that point, I had finished all the marathons, Antarctica included. Oh, wow. I'd been working on the mountains for quite some time. Uh So really, I had the big ones left, the ones that take so long that you can't really do them while you're on active duty. Unfortunately, life intervened. I had been doing so much for so long that my body was just kind of Uh, falling apart. I had a shoulder surgery and then I was due for a hip surgery and it just, the writing was on the wall that I I couldn't keep doing the things that I was doing. So months before retirement, I started to thinking about a pivot, you know, instead of going and climbing Everest, I wanted to do something else. And I had been kicking around the idea of a novel for a couple of years. And I thought, if I'm ever going to do this, now's the time. So I did. And now listen, you went from now's the time, so I did. Let's mm-hmm. talk about the, the middle part there, you know. Yeah, I probably skipped quite a bit. <laughs> People ask me all the time, I'm going to ask you the same question. Mm-hmm. You have the idea, you make that decision, okay, I'm, I'm going to write this book. I've been thinking about it for a long time. Tell me about the day that you decided, today's the day I've made the decision. How do you process it? Do you put it down on paper? What do you do? How do you get to the end? Yeah, that's a great question. For me, it was something I thought about for a while. You know, in the initial month or two, when I went on terminal leave and I had all that time, I kept thinking and thinking. And I took a long weekend and I went up to San Francisco. So I'm from Northern California originally, yeah. uh, born in Concord, moved around quite a bit. My dad was born and raised in San Francisco. Okay. And as I started to conceptualize this story that uh-huh. I wanted to tell, I wanted to try to weave in some of my background but also some of my father's. And as the idea started to take shape, I knew that this story was going to start in San Francisco. Uh-huh. So I went there and I stayed with a buddy for a couple of days and we went to my dad's old neighborhood uh-huh. and I walked the streets. I went to Mel's. I sat down. We had lunch. Mel's is a diner there that's been uh-huh. there for a long time. And it was that weekend that I knew I want to do this. Yeah. I really want to commit to it. And I did. And that's when I had to think about the next part, which is, well, you know, I've never written fiction before in my life, so I have some learning to do. So where did you go for this learning? I went to Barnes & Noble. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I went to Barnes & Noble and I started perusing because there is a whole shelf there of books that teach people how to write. So I was perusing. I was picking them off, off the shelf. I found one that I liked. It was like, write your novel from start to finish. I bought it. I took it home. Over the next month or two, I read it cover to cover a couple different times. Mm-hmm. I highlighted. I took notes. I went and I looked up concepts that I didn't understand. Yeah. You know, I started really trying to wrap my mind around what it took not just to write a book, but to write a good book. Yeah, yeah. And That's those aren't difference. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I, I guess I thought to myself, okay, you've had an idea to write a book. You get out your... Um, well, in my day, it would have been typewriter, and mm-hmm. off you go. You know, you start just, it starts pouring out. Because sometimes I hear of authors, and I guess it depends upon the type of book you're writing, mm-hmm. you know, fiction, nonfiction. Um, I hear about authors where they just start typing, and they, they say that it just kind of pours out. Is that no? No. I think in most cases, that's untrue. 
Okay. I, I think that we had this romanticized version yeah. of writing where, you know, it's a, a coffee pot and an author and, you know, just one cup of coffee after another fueling this novel that, yeah. you know, piles up one page at a time. For most people, it's not that way. Uh, for me, it certainly wasn't because my book, it borders on historical fiction. Yeah. So I was aiming for utter and complete accuracy, which meant research. Yeah. So not only was I constructing this plot, shaping these characters, figuring out who they were eventually going to be, I was having to do background research to make sure that the locations mm-hmm. that I was using were accurate, accurate, that the events that I was weaving into the story were being portrayed accurately. Yeah. That was really important to me. So... In some ways, it slowed down the writing process, which was actually good because it gave me more time to really play with the ideas and and think about the scene construction and yeah. how I wanted everything to play out. This, uh, what was your biggest challenge as you were, you know, putting these words down and you know trying to get the logistics together for writing a book? Oh, there were a ton of challenges along the way. I don't, I don't know if I could say any one was the biggest. Uh-huh. I think as I was writing, it was figuring out the full arc of the Uh plot. I started with a beginning and an ending. I knew where I wanted the story to pick up. I knew exactly how I wanted it to end, but there was a lot there in the middle that I had to fill in and it didn't happen overnight. So I slowly started sketching out the plot and putting more meat on the bone and ideas would come to me randomly. And I had a, uh, a document that I was using to capture those ideas. But eventually, you know, as I was writing the first quarter of the first draft, I pretty much had a skeleton for what the whole thing was going to look like. Now, did you reach out for help, like, as your, how do I get the business side of this going? Well, before you ever get to the business, you have to have a book. Yeah. And the first step is getting through the first draft. Mm -hmm. So, wisely, I sought out a writing coach. Okay. And her name is Nicole, and she is wonderful. And she told me very early on that I was doing something bad. Oh. So there's this thing in writing called point of view. Uh-huh. And it's very important. It's whose eyes is the story being told through? Yeah. And what I was doing was I was shifting point of view. Okay. And she caught it very early on. Mm-hmm. And she gave me some resources. We had a good discussion. And she said, okay, when you come back to me with fresh pages next week, I want to see consistency. Okay. And I delivered. And after that, it was like, Everything just fell into place. And it was cool because, you know, we were meeting on a weekly basis. Yeah. And I was giving her fresh material every week. And I could see, and mm-hmm. she could see, growth with every passing meeting. And that's cool. As you're writing this book, though, you're also transitioning out. Is that, tr- is that correct? Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how... The writing the book's the one thing, but then you've got this part over here where you're, you're transitioning out from the military, so mm-hmm. you've got to get medical, all that good stuff, whatever. It that entails. was already done. Yeah. That was taken care of. So, okay, so... I wasn't ready to start the job search yet. Okay. You know, I knew that I would someday, but I really wanted to focus on the book. So I treated it like a full-time job. Okay. So the transition that I was going through was really just conditioning myself to live this new life and the best way that I knew how was to create structure and routine so I had a great routine I would write for two or three hours in the morning and then once I'd healed from my hip surgery I would go for a run or I would go to the gym I would get a workout in Mm -hmm. and I would come back and I would do two or three more hours and that was my day that was my life where does hiring our heroes come into play for you okay so After the first draft came a second draft, 
and a third draft. And after that third draft, I felt like, okay, I have a product now that I can start sending out to agents. Let me ask you something. Query letters. Yes. Sorry to interrupt you here, but Patrick, mm-hmm. when you say a draft, what you're saying is you've got the completed yes. book. So you've done mm-hmm. not one, but two, three drafts. Three drafts. Okay, wow, okay. So the first draft is really just about getting it out there. Okay. You know, telling the story and you're not too focused on refinement okay. either of your prose or your characters. For me the second draft was about getting deeper into the minds of my characters. Yeah. I gave them more backstory. Uh-huh. Uh more mannerisms that were consistent throughout because you want your readers to be able to to get to know these characters and feel yeah. like they are unique and real. So that was something I really focused on in the second draft, along with my prose. The third draft was more about strengthening themes mm-hmm. and going back and revisiting poignant sections of the book and yeah. making sure that I was getting max impact out of my words. And those scenes really matter uh-huh. you know, when you're looking at the book as a whole, because that's where you're really trying to touch your reader emotionally. Yeah. And the reader's got to be able to visualize this and feel it. Totally. As well as they're totally. reading it. Yeah, you want yeah. your reader to feel something. Yeah. You know, if they're not, if uh-huh. they're not feeling something when they're reading their book, yeah. it's not time well spent. That's you right. You know, you've let them down. And I don't want to re- let my readers down. So you went, um, Hiring Our Heroes comes mm-hmm. in because you went you through your transition with them and they... Correct. So once I was ready to start sending the book out to agents and yeah. I felt like I didn't need as much time for writing, then I had to get serious about what my career would look like yeah. from here on out. So I learned of Hiring Our Heroes and their fellowship program. I'd heard about a fellowship before, but it was only for active duty. Mm-hmm. And once you leave active duty, you're no longer eligible. So I didn't think that it applied to me. But I went to the Veterans Beer Club, which yeah. is a wonderful organization here in San Diego and other cities that is dedicated to helping transitioning veterans find the next step. And a person that I had worked with previously mentioned that because at one point I was an active duty spouse, I was eligible for the spouse fellowship program. Oh, cool. Okay. So I did some research. I thought, okay, well, this sounds like a great idea. Basically, it's you doing a 12-week fellowship with a Mm -hmm. company, a participating company. They look at your resume first. They bring you in for an interview. And if they like you, they offer you the fellowship. You're there for 12 weeks. You get to try on the company company gets to try on you that's nice so there's an intent to hire when they bring you in it doesn't always work out for a number of different reasons but it was a great first step for me as i tried to not just transition out of the military but transition back into the world of a program manager you know because it's a totally different skill set that i had been using for the last year plus now, listen, I want to go back to your book here at this point, because okay. mm-hmm. we've spoken about the, the business side of it, how you got it together and all that good stuff. Give us a brief outline about the content of the book, obviously, without giving us the book. Okay. So I'm definitely going to avoid spoilers. Yes. I guess the first question is, what kind of book is this? The title is Where the Seams Meet. You look at the cover, there's a baseball on the front, you read yep. the back, and it talks about fathers and sons and baseball. It's not just a baseball book. You know, baseball is the canvas, mm-hmm. uh, but the story that I've painted is more about relationships. Now, there is a moral to the story uh, of this book as well, you know, and um, I don't want to give the moral away. I, I think that we can talk about some of the themes. Yeah. 
So this story is told in two parts. And the first part is from Frank's perspective. The mm-hmm. second part is from his son Danny's perspective. And the way that the book is constructed, each chapter is one day, mm-hmm. one poignant day in the lives of these men. Let me grab my book. So telling the story that way allows there to be years in between these chapters. So what I was able to do was cover almost six decades of the lives of these men. And when you look at somebody's life over that period of time, there's going to be ups and downs. Oh, yeah. There's wins, there's losses. Yep. So the book is about love. It's about loss. It's about persevering. Mm-hmm. It's about the power of acceptance. Yeah. You know, so those are important themes. One theme that I didn't plan emerged as I was coming to the end of that second draft. And honestly, it kind of caught me by surprise mm. because you, you think as you're constructing a novel that as the architect, you see all the different angles, but it's really not true. Yeah. So this theme that emerged and surprised me was the power of words unspoken, particularly the destructive power of words unspoken. And I thought about it. I was like, man, this, this is important. Yeah. You know, I think all of us have moments that we regret where we say something and we don't think it out ahead of time. That's right. Yeah. And it cuts deep. Mm-hmm. And we regret it immediately or we regret it sometime after. And those are the things that stick with us. But oftentimes, I think we overlook the words that were not said. Yes. That could have done good. Yes. Or by not saying them did harm. Yeah. It's a really interesting theme. And that's one of the things I worked on refining in the third draft. I love it. Now, let me ask you, where can we get the book? So the book is going to be released on March 29th. Okay. And Amazon is obviously a great place to find it. Barnes and Noble as well. Pretty much anywhere you go to find books, you can order it. It'll be in select bookstores, hopefully more as time goes on and it really gains momentum. But right off the bat, if you're looking to buy it on day one, go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Now, we're going to uh, follow you up to Warwick's. You're going to be yes. at Warwick's in La Jolla. When are you going to be there for that book signing? I'm going to be there on April 2nd. April 2nd. I'm so excited that uh, they've invited me to come and talk about the book and, and share it with the local community. I'm also going to be doing a book up at Copperfields in Santa Rosa, California. Okay, where wow. I've lived for many, many years and graduated high school. It still feels like home. Yeah. So that's my chance to uh, share it with the home crowd there. Oh, that's awesome that you're traveling to to get the book out. Uh, Listen, we're connected on LinkedIn, and I Mm want to actually ask you something about one of your posts on LinkedIn recently. And I think it's an important post, and I'm glad that you mentioned it. And the word is vulnerability, Mm. you know, and you had mentioned in your post that... um, when you were writing this book that you you really had to dig deep into your emotions... um, and the, the vulnerability is the digging into the emotions. And also you, you stated that you know fine well that every review mm-hmm. that comes in is not always going to be great. And, and I was reading the post and I thought, I thought about myself and I thought, you know, that vulnerability is something that all entrepreneurs, you know, all, all people that decide to take a control of their livelihood, whatever you want to call it, um, there is that vulnerability. And for years, you know, I've been told, well, don't be scared. It's not that you're scared. It's just you're vulnerable. I think that was a very strong point. It was a great post that you made on LinkedIn. Well, thank you, first. 
there's a lot going on in that question, and I'm thinking about how best to to answer it. In my job in the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. as an officer, as a logistics officer, as a program and project manager, as an operations guy, there wasn't a lot of room for emotion. Mm-hmm. Almost everything that I did was based on analysis. Yeah. I would see a problem, I would analyze a problem, usually with the help of a very strong and qualified team, and we would collectively solve the problem. It was logic-based. Yeah. And I think over time, it really affected the way that I saw the world and the way that I engaged with the world. And it changed me. As I began writing this book, I realized that I was going to have to shake free of those bonds. Yeah. And really tap into a side of myself that I had not explored in quite mm-hmm. some time, that I had in some ways starved. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of room for emotion in the Marine Corps. <laughs> so you have to take that and you have to put it aside. Yeah. And you have to get the job done. Uh, when it comes to leading Marines, uh-huh. there's certainly room for that. But yeah. even then, you know, you have, to, you have to set the example by being steadfast. So as I began writing... I knew that I would have to go deeper. Yeah. And that meant reconnecting with mm-hmm. a part of myself that, that had been dormant for a while. And it was difficult at first. And there were things from my past that were dredged up yeah. during that process. And that was both beneficial and difficult. Uh, but as I went through that process, I, I grew from it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that I had that opportunity. I think that's really important. I know a lot of service members, and I think sometimes, you know, it, it's one of these things, you know, goes back to World War One, World War Two. you know, you went to war, you, you did your job, you came home, you didn't speak about it, you just, mm-hmm. you know, went to work and did what you had to do. And I mean, I look at my husband, you know, I mean, it's conditioning, You're, you is. become conditioned, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, um, you know, somebody said to me the other day, yeah, you know, um, didn't realize that was your husband, I was kind of like, you know, a little bit wary of approaching him you know well he's always got that stoic look on his face you know you can never never really tell what the guy's thinking you know Mm -hmm. but it's because you become that way where like you said um, everything is factual based because it has to be you know so totally yeah so I can only imagine how hard that's got to be to to delve into your inner self you know but um, kudos you know, for to writing you. purposes. It's so very important. Yeah. It really is. And then you mentioned the uh, the vulnerability of of putting it out there in the world. Yes, yeah, that's a big thing to do. Yeah, you know, yeah. when you write a book like this, so much of you goes into that book, uh-huh. and you know that it's going to be judged. Oh yeah, people are going to read it, and some are going to think it's great. Some are not going to enjoy it, but. The criticism, you know, uh-huh. it's a reflection of me. So, yeah. yeah, you have to make yourself vulnerable and, and know that it's going to be a difficult ride. Well, you know, I'm going to make sure I read this book by Tuesday because I volunteer at the San Diego Military Advisory Council mm-hmm. and I'm going to be taking a tour of Petco Park. So I, I, I'm going to read this book to give myself a little bit more education on the sport because i got to be honest with you. I don't know whether that first game that I went to just kind of like <laughs> ruined me, you know. Um, I have been to Padres games, you know. Um, I just don't understand it as much as I guess I should. And, you know, sometimes when it goes on for a long time, I'm like, dude, i got to get home, you know. i got <laughs> shit going on. Um, but I'm going to make sure I, I read this well, book. Well, I think that you will learn something about baseball along the way. Yes. You don't have to be a big baseball fan to understand the 
game-related action that's portrayed in there. Yes. Well, you know, I've got a, a, a sports fanatic at home, mm-hmm. so I can always, you know, uh, refer to him. Let me ask you a couple of quick-fire questions okay. just for shits and giggles. All right. All right, what's your favourite food? Pizza. Oh, that was without a doubt. Any particular topping? Mm, no. Last place you went backpacking? Last place I went backpacking was Tahoe National Forest. I do an annual boys trip with some of my best friends, some of them from a very young age. And (laughs) we get together, we put on backpacks, whether we are in the best shape or not. We go out there, we enjoy nature, we drink a few beers, we talk, we reconnect, and it's always the highlight of my year. That's, That's so cool. All right, what is your favorite band? Ooh, that's tough. I'm going to go old school here. It's it's the Beatles. It's what I grew oh, up with. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Brit. They were down the road, you know, in Liverpool. That's where, you know. So, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Favorite song? Hmm. doesn't have to be from the Beatles. I've always loved Yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. There's just something about the the storytelling that uh-huh. appeals to me. For me with music, I, I really love music that tells a story, a story that that you feel. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it makes a song that much more impactful. Now, I have to ask you, as an author, who is your favorite author? I don't think I can answer that. Too many. Too many. Yeah. You know, I love fiction. I love nonfiction. I jump in between. Sometimes I have a couple books going at once. Yeah. When it comes to fiction, I love authors who can tell a story that is touching. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about this earlier, how you want your readers to feel something. That's what I'm looking for mm-hmm. when it comes to fiction. You know, I want something that I'm not going to forget instantly. And even if over time I forget the details of the characters or the plot, I want to remember that feeling oh, yeah. that the author gave me, that their yeah. story gave me. Yeah. Those are the kind of books that I go for. What advice would you give to a young transitioning service member today? Okay, when you say young, yeah. how young are so, we well, Say, I don't know, say, oh gosh, say young, then I'm going to upset a lot of people here. Um, what, let me rephrase, mm-hmm. what advice would you give to a transitioning service member today? So I think you need to look to your peers. Mm-hmm. And your peers can serve as... A roadmap. Their experience can serve as a roadmap. And it should be fairly applicable to your own. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying stop there by any means, especially if you're like me and you want to do something that's out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Then you need to look to people who have done it successfully. But I think that you need to start by looking at what your peers have done. You need to think about your goals. Yeah. What is it that you really want? Mm-hmm. Um, when you and I were talking the other day, we talked about pivoting. Yeah. And for anyone transitioning out of the military... It reflects a fantastic opportunity to pivot. Yes, it does. To grow, to go in a new direction, to do something new and challenging, to remold yourself. Yeah, I meet a lot of uh, service members, and this is kind of crazy to me, but I've met a lot of guys that have separated from the military, and they take maybe the first job they're offered mm-hmm. and then they find that maybe a couple of months down the road that's not for them and i say all the time hey listen man you know be picky you've got a totally. great set of skills mm-hmm. um 
you did a lot of good stuff and so be picky about where you're gonna go and um, what you're gonna do you know so it, it's but then I, again I I'm not the service member that's separated after how many years, so I don't know. Is there that anxiety of, okay, I've finished with my service, I've got to go to work, I'm going to, you know, I've I got to do something I, I think useful. it differs for everybody. Yeah. Having a family uh-huh. makes a huge difference. Oh, yeah. Because you, you have to provide. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your financial situation is always going to be a consideration. And that's why I say... Think about what you want. Yeah. You know, what are your priorities? Yeah. List them out. Think about what it takes to achieve your goals and meet your obligations. Yeah. You know, really think about it critically. But at the same time, if you have a dream, don't be daunted by that. Yeah. You know? I mean, it can be scary when you think oh, about yeah. failure. You know, if you try something new and you fail at it, I mean, that can be hard. But don't let it daunt you. Don't let it stop you from yeah. taking that first step. I never think of about it as failure. I always think, well, that shit didn't work out. Let's try this. <laughs> you know, um, I never actually... I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I never actually use that word because I think those people that are um, in that headspace of failure at that mm-hmm. time, they're really doing nothing. But if you're doing something, at least, you, you know, you're trying. So... You know, I think you're keying into something yeah. really important there. And I was having a conversation not too long ago about this. There were people I know that they would have to actually go out and achieve their goal uh-huh. before they truly believe that it's possible. Yes. Right? Yes. I'm not that type of person. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm the type of person that I will have to go out and fail repeatedly mm-hmm. yeah. at something before I ever acknowledge for a second that it may not be possible. Yes. I mean, somebody said to me once, they went, Serendi, you like a, a dog with a bone. I went, that's right. I said, because it's, uh, I'm not going to give up until I've exhausted every single option that's out there. I mean, when I went for my uh, contract with the Navy Exchange, I turned up every Tuesday like a bad penny. I was like, hey, people, you need me, you need me, you need me. You know, you've got to be persistent, otherwise, you know, it it just doesn't happen. And I said to somebody recently as well, I said, "Um, well, hey, you know, when I dream, I dream big. And I knew that when I opened my first location that I wasn't going to be happy with one, you know. Um, I think that's just the way entrepreneurs dream. We see, we have the idea, we see the end end finish. Now we've just got to fathom out that middle bit. And the beauty totally. of it is, like you said, you can pivot as many times as you want to, however you want to. There's nobody to tell you you can't. So it no. cannot be failure. <laughs> You know, it's just another opportunity to succeed in a different direction. (laughs) Exactly. And on those words, listen, Patrick, it has been great to have you here today. Before you go, I I want you to let everybody know what are your social media handles? How can people get in touch with you? So if you want to talk to me about military transition, which I'm totally willing to do, find me on LinkedIn. Okay, that's the best place. And I had so many fantastic people, mentors along the way that helped me with my transition. I'm always looking to pay that back. So please reach out to me, start a conversation and we can talk. If you want to learn more about the book, authorpatrickholcomb.com, you can read about me as an author, you can read a little bit more about the book, learn more about where to find it. Uh, You can also find me on Instagram, forevergiant2014 is the handle. 
perfect. We're going to put that out there on our IG and our website. Once again, Patrick, it's been great having you here. And I'm Thank so you. glad that you're traveling and you're promoting. And we're going to follow up with you at Warwick's. We'll come down. We'll take some pictures. We'll talk to Wonderful. a couple of people. It'll be awesome. Listen. Thank you for joining us today at The Good Show. My name's Surinder. I have been your host, and we'll talk to you again in two weeks. I'm out. Thanks for listening to today's show. Press that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Leave me that review so we can get more pro-military folks involved with growing this platform. If you've got a story to tell and you want to be on the show, then go to my website, thegoodshow.com. That's G-O-O-D-E show.com. Press the contact button and drop me an email. My name's Sarinda. I'm your military gal and I'm out. <laughs>